hairs on my body started standing on end. Silent. Nothing there. I fought to get back into my body. You are going to be a vital importance of helping us convince the masses. Type 471. Type 471. Bridge to the other world. Bridge to the other world. Welcome to Type 471. I'm Sam Kitchen. My guest today is Ryan RPG Golombeski, perhaps more commonly known as RPG. He's a cryptozoologist, he's a cryptid hunter, he is into all things weird, just like me. I get the impression he's a bit of a maverick, he does things his own way, and that's, that's why I like the guy. It's going to be a really good conversation, so I'm excited to talk to RPG today. RPG, welcome to Type 471. How you doing, my friend? Sam Kitchen, how are you? You hot shit. I wish I could give you a hug and you could feel the jacked arms of this baby squash. What an honor. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It is uh it's a pleasure. Well, likewise, it's a it's an honor and a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh you I mean you're just my kind of guy, you know. You're you're into all things squatchy and you're into all things weird. <laughs> yeah. No, man, you're you're the king of weird. I, that's a it's an honor that you would even have put me in the same boat. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, I was recently watching I, I just happened to be watching an older episode of Finding Bigfoot. I, I happened to see your episode where you were in the Mount Shasta area, which is where I am. Mm -hmm. And uh and and you you mentioned a theory about Mount Shasta that is absolutely in keeping with my own theory. I want to get into that, but I don't want to do it just yet. Uh, I want to start from the beginning with you. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm sure you have gone into this endlessly elsewhere, so I apologize for asking you to be redundant, but just indulge <laughs> me for a moment. I want to know how it all started with that uh, boyhood Bigfoot sighting in Maine. Can you go over that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, I was uh, always a strange kid, man, just into things that were a little bit different. Um, one was being brought up in uh, spending a lot of time over at my grandmother's house and just all these ghost stories and then and then lights in the sky and just hearing all this stuff. And and anyway, so it's just kind of in the background of my head, um, which I really think was just making me more aware of things that most of us would just glance over, you know, like a spider on a leaf. You just over it. But if you look, if you're thinking about spiders, you see it. Well, I was just looking for weirdness, man. We were coming back from Maine. Mom. Uh, she didn't want to move to Maine. She was like, F me and I don't want to move there. And then, of course, two years later when we had to move, his dad was restationed somewhere else. She's like, I don't want to leave. I'm never leaving. Uh, and we were just coming back because for the first year, we would just go up and down for the weekends, man. You know, the things you do for family. And I just remember being so annoying to her and just but also helping keep her awake. Uh, just long drive at night. And, and I remember this ledge and I just happened to look up. And I thought it was this big ass bear. I just, that's my first thought. I was like, bear, you know, I didn't know about the, the shoulders then. I, and I, I didn't even really know squatch then. I just knew, whoa, there's a huge bear stand up on the ledge. And then just as the car was, were going, as we're going out of range, uh, it turns and walks into the woods. And that's where I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. That's crazy. Bears up on their feet. And, you know, I tried to battle the mom and tell her, and she just tells me, shut up. You know, I was, I was a kid with a big imagination. So I was like crying wolf, even when I was telling the, the damn truth. Um, and that just uh, further sparked a fire. And I, I think that I just became more aware of things on the fringe, um, yeah. you know, and there's a lot of things there and whether I don't even know if I had really I didn't have a choice in that, you know, it's like almost everything is kind of conditioned into you. And anyway, that that was kind of the start. That's my first like big thought outside of like, you know, seeing poltergeist being so scared. Like, I think, what is it, man? Like, do parents know and do they let you watch these movies the perfect age to just stick you once good for all the shit you put them through? Because, <laughs> because poltergeist, Jaws, like, I, I saw them all at the right time. I'm still scared to swim in a swimming pool at night by myself because of Jaws. Bravo, bravo, Spielberg. You fucking won. You own me. You own me in the water. I mean, 
anyway, big power of filmmaking. But in, in Poltergeist, it's the maggots on the face that really get me, and the face coming off when he's looking in the mirror and all that. That's oh yeah, loss of uh, self control, sense of self. Like you know, we're all control freaks, so that is a crazy fear to think you're peeling apart and being eaten, but still alive. Woo! Right. So you're you're kind of watching yourself falling apart and being devoured and kind of slipping into what you don't know you're slipping into. Are you slipping into non-existence? Are you slipping into, you mm-hmm. know, some other higher existence, you know, but but you're not in control of it. And you're watching, you know, yourself, your physical self slide away at that moment. So you think that's that's the horror in that moment. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what is it like the pillars of horror, you know, a- extreme isolation? loss of self-control and an unstoppable force coming for you and that thing really does have all three if you look at it because you're gonna die it's coming you cannot stop it and and you're isolated within your own uh, fear and psyche as you are literally dying right there it is uh that's that's i don't know it's just it's powerful imagery oh yeah and uh that that actually reminds me of a a Jungian train of thought and and to paraphrase Jung he was talking about when a man gazes for too long in mirrors or who lives for too long alone he risks the awful crisis of the confrontation with the father so uh, isolation can lead to the crisis of enlightenment and uh, or you know can instigate the crisis of enlightenment and it's called a crisis because it's so damn scary because you have to divorce yourself from everything you thought you knew and were etc and which is related to the old Buddhist uh, proverb, if you see the Buddha in the road, you should kill him because <laughs> that that moment of enlightenment, that's just, it's terrifying. You know, it's like, it's like uh, oblivion. It's like, you know, the, the absolute uh, relinquishing of the self, which is very scary. Yeah. Well, yeah. New growth. That, that's, uh, that's like the most powerful thing we can, we can possibly do. And we will, we will run and, and scream and be dragged through it, you know, by ourselves. It's, uh, that's kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a rite of passage. Yeah, it is. It is. Well, <laughs> rites of passage. I mean, they're, they're scary for a reason. Like the Australian Aboriginals, the, speaking of rites of passage, did you know this? Mm-hmm. The Aboriginal societies, they will ceremonially abduct a young boy, like around the age of 12, from their mother and aunts and the father and uncles will take this uh, young boy out into the outback. They, they will ritualistically, symbolically cut a, a slit in the underside of their penis uh, and and this is meant to represent a vagina, so it's like a penis and a vagina, and Whoa. they will bleed into a bowl. The blood from their penises will will be collected in this bowl, and it coagulates. And this twelve year old boy, all he has for sustenance over the his days in the outback is this bowl full of co- coagulated penis blood from his father <laughs> and his uncles. <laughs> Uh, the world is a wonderful and amazing place. Holy shit. You're not fucking with me. No, I'm not fucking with you. No, no, no. This is, this is something that really has happened. I think it may still happen to this day, but yeah, it's, it's a thing for sure. Listen, I've, I've, I've worked with many indigenous peoples and I have yet to uh, bear witness to any ceremonies that interesting. Let's just say so. So what happens? Uh, they do this for how long? You know, now I mean, I'm curious. And then, and then what? Do they like Vision Quest too? Are they are they inhaling anything? Are they abstaining from eating to touch the other side? Like, what's the whole right? Well, I don't know all the details. I know there is a Vision Quest. Um, okay. I know, I know okay. there is a lack of food except for this coagulated penis blood. Uh, <laughs> you love saying that. I, and I do. don't blame you. I don't blame you. It's like it's amazing. <laughs> well, well, I so seldom get to say coagulated penis blood, so you know, I'm I'm just I'm, yeah. I'm seizing the opportunity. <laughs> CPB, it's CPB. You got the CPB, babe. Uh, you're throwing too many acronyms to, at me. You know, I've already got RPG to to to, to think about, and then your CP. You know, it's just too much. But <laughs> coagulated but penis think... blood. I, yeah, I, I, but, I like it long, long form. 
<laughs> well, it's it, but it's also kind of amazing that uh, they give him a clearly defined way to understand that he has now become a man and you are going to be a part like like uh, the bizarreness of that ceremony aside, simply because that's not my reality. So I won't judge it. It's funny to me. It's intense. But like uh, he's there with counsel. He's there with mentors that help guide him. And then I would imagine when he comes back, you know, he's welcome back in and he knows his responsibilities and stuff now. That's what we're missing. Mm-hmm. And and one of the reasons I love squatching so much and want to like hopefully inspire more uh, the next generation, let's call them out into the woods, is just for that like you do have to face yourself you have to go in as deep as you can and the farther you go the more you realize just how conditioned just how much you are living somebody else's life and then you know and then in the woods can you can do it faster there you know or, or deep in the water if, if, you, if you're that kind of person um but anyway i think it's important and no one's going to give you your right of passage because that's going to wake you the fuck up so you got to go make your own As a matter of fact, that is kind of related to something I was getting at in a conversation recently. I was saying that I feel that Mm -hmm. for the the further a true, sincere squatcher goes into squatching, I think the more that squatcher, Bigfooter, becomes aware that the, the quest for Sasquatch is also a quest for the deepest parts of the self. And how do you feel about that? Yeah, yeah, you're going in the woods for one of two reasons, to rid yourself of fear or to go uh, indulge in fear, almost like a drug. Uh, and, and you can do both in the same thing. But yeah, I, I, think, I think going and standing for a wall of darkness and calling out into that night and doing it enough times to where you feel comfortable. And then on that night, usually where you're like, you're actually relaxed for the first time, something calls back and you realize have you know you you then you begin this like existential crisis like have i made a mistake is this like is this wrong like do i actually want this to happen and then you start spiraling into well why the f am i here why am i doing this and uh you know with with psilocybin and hallucinogenics and stuff you can get there even faster but it's another way to get you to look at yourself and 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 just not judge so hard you know like you're if you're standing out in the middle of the woods in the middle of nowhere calling out for the night trying you're you're brave you're brave enough to face yourself and ultimately like you're talking about you know you gotta, you gotta face death when when people have near-death experiences they change so manifest your own you know right Right. And what you're discussing right now is pivotal. And I, I want to focus on this and get way deep into this. But lube <laughs> <laughs> up, baby, because here we go. Oh man, just just <laughs> just go slowly. Yep, yep. <laughs> Let's go. Deep breath. But before we do that, before we get too deep into that, I want to back way up and just ask you that that initial Sasquatch sighting in Maine, I want to know everything about yeah. about what it looked like. What did this individual look like? Uh, well, I first state like long time ago, I remember a large, dark shape. Um, and the way the, the headlights were kind of hitting it as, as other, other cars were like, or where we were going, it would kind of move across it, you know, but I don't ever remember seeing any features or anything. I just remember it was big enough and out far enough from the trees to to uh for me to go oh there's something standing there and then just first thing in the head you know how we do like we we just have this super computer head and it's just like there and i was like ah yeah but it was something weird about it right because i think if i wasn't the weird kid that that was a little spooked by everything like oh no it's gonna be something spooky i wouldn't have really like dwelled on it i would have just said oh there and went back to picking and teasing mom um because that's way more fun but right. instead, I was I like I I got hung on it, you know. I got I, I was stuck on it, and I and even afterwards, you know, I couldn't shake it. But nobody cared, you know. You you're just a kid, and and I don't know how many people have to tell you you didn't see it before. You're like, eh, I guess I didn't see it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and and yeah, and and that was it. It was just tall. It seemed tall, but I've never been back. I, I don't even know where that that ledge is. I don't, you know, what I mean, it's just it, it's it's part of my origin. Um. But I don't even count it as like my first, you know, my first sighting or even a sighting. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's real. I remember it. Like how many stories you remember, like clearly from from when you were young. You know, I don't have two. I don't have that many, uh, but that's one of them. So yeah, is what it is. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, and you know, I've been uncovering or, or exploring this pattern with a lot of people lately where it, it, people are just prone to this kind of experience, and I think it's important to to focus on. It's, it's something that we need to, it's like the next step in understanding. Uh, people are predisposed to this seemingly at any rate people who encounter a sasquatch often have some other you know predisposition to extraordinary phenomena like seeing ghosts you know etc you know whatever paranormal experience and you seem to be one of those people i'm one of those people and and it it, it just seems to be unfolding like you know we're seeing that that it has to do with the individual so how mm -hmm. how does that how does that manifest for you like you're one of these people so take us through through how that you know became part of your experience well, uh that's a thank you for a very large powerful question like where, <laughs> where do you start right i was i was military brat and and so i had to learn to survive like so imagine every two years to your entire childhood you're moving and you're the new kid. And that means you're less than like the weird kid, smelly kid, you know, whatever kid, you're the new kid. So you had to like survive, you know? And I think that built and gave me the ability to have that like thick skin and, and, uh, and pushed me to spend more time alone in the woods, you know, alone reading things. So you start to dive deeper into areas you would probably fill with social time. And and I think that once again, it's just kind of like a radar. We have like a radar for the weird. It's 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 in our sights. It eats up RAM in our head, even if it's quiet as we get older. We're still like in, more in tune with it. And I think that's something maybe we all share. And how that actually manifests itself in the moment and this and that, you know, I I don't know. I don't know. But that's why I do experiments, and that's why I try to get together with different people of of all disciplines across all the paranormal genres to see what really cool shit they have going on that actually works because you know i've done a lot of stuff and most of the time nothing happens mm -hmm. you know most of the time so so why are we doing it saying so like why why are we why are we in why are we so deep well for me i feel that we're at a moment when humanity really 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 needs to understand this stuff we, we have this worldview, like people have everything all figured out and that, you know, this one mainstream view of things is the way things are and that's all there is to it. And meanwhile, this way of thinking is kind of taking us down the shitter. And um, so yeah. I, I really, really feel that, that people need to understand the broader nature of reality and what we truly are and how we're connected to all of it. And so this, for me, is why it's important for us to understand Sasquatch and many such phenomena. And I mean, there are a lot of reasons we need to understand Sasquatch. I think Sasquatch, no matter what Sasquatch turns out to be, it's going to tell us a lot about ourselves. It's important for us to understand what Sasquatch are, you know, just to understand that. But, you know, understanding Sasquatch and understanding ourselves and understanding our relationship to just the broader nature of reality and existence itself, I feel is extremely important. And, and we're at a moment when that needs to happen. So I, I feel that's whether a, a, an investigator is consciously aware of that or not. I feel that that's a big reason why why we do this, even if we don't know how to put a name to that. So, like a zeitgeist, like trying to usher in a new time where people are more in tune with nature. Well, right? more in tune with just everything—the broader nature of reality. I mean, you know, what is nature a part of? Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just just the infinite. You know, <laughs> existence itself. That's our our relationship to the, just the the way things work and the broader reality i i think it's i think sasquatch is tied well, up I in think, all of that yeah well i think you're doing the your version of the good work then by getting people interested in this it opens their eyes more to that world and i i i, I think it's the good work and the exciting thing about sasquatch in my opinion is if we are close if you're right and and, and the bridges are going to start forming again to the old world or just to the real world uh how exciting would it be and how much would it drive this new love for getting out and deeper in nature if we began to find Sasquatch? And I, in my opinion, we're going to find all sorts of things. I don't think it's just Sasquatch. I think there's all sorts of relic hominids hiding in spots all over the place. 
and we just don't wander too far from the fire. It's too scary. And to be honest, we're too lazy and it's just who cares, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, who and that's who cares. Perception is reality and our reality is defined um, by the TV gods, just anything that's on TV. You know? And I've been a part of that. Um, so I, I apologize. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but 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 that medium, it's a double bladed sword. You know, the good is that uh, even though a lot of people treated, say, finding Bigfoot as a vicarious voyage, um, I would like to believe that also encourage a lot of people just to get out in the woods, maybe hike a little farther, you know, maybe try a little, something a little more. I don't know. But it's inspiring and it hopefully gets us to a better relationship with everything, as you say. Because we're 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 losing our minds. We're just it's idiocracy, man. It's it's getting crazy. Yeah, and I really like the way you put that a minute ago. You you, you kind of in a, in just a few words you summed up something that I've tried to convey to people, and <laughs> and I, I like the way you did it, and and I'm probably going to steal it in the future. But <laughs> it's not stealing, man. It's not stealing. We build upon each other. That's the whole point. Like. It's beautiful, you, you know, like there's everything is competition. Like I love competition. I anything we hang out, we're playing cards. I'm going to talk shit. I'm going to have fun. I want to beat your ass. But at the end of the day, I, it will also be just as awesome if you have an amazing game and, and what my ass. Right. Mm, there's right. nothing mediocre. No mediocre bullshit. That's all. Just let's let's bring it. So um, absolutely anything, man. It's all open source. It should be. And if you do it better, then hats off to you. I owe you a drink in the bar. Right, right. We do build upon each other. Uh, and, and, you know, it's meant to advance, you know, we're, we're advancing, building upon what everyone, you know, what, what everyone before us has done. And I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out. But when, yeah, that's how you build bonds. Yeah. Bonds, man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's just kind of part of the unfolding thing that we're building, you know, into infinity. When you said uh, we don't stray far from the fire, to paraphrase you, you're describing uh, how our group, our mass perception has formed. Uh, this mainstream view that, that I mentioned a minute ago, uh, it, it is formed by not straying too far from the fire. Our reality becomes the things that we're accustomed to, you know, hanging out with people in the in our comfort zone. And when we, we, yeah. we're driving down the road, you know, we think that the road, you know, the road goes through the wilderness, we see trees and stuff, so we think that this area near the road, where it's within the human comfort zone, that area near the fire, we think that that is all there is to everything. And, and so a lot of people don't realize just how much room there is out there for all kinds of stuff and how much stuff exists that, that is completely outside the range of human exploration because most people just stay close to the fire, like you mentioned. So there's all kinds of stuff that exists outside of that human comfort zone that people just have no idea about. I know you've been all over the world looking for various hominins and things like that. What, what are some of your most prominent experiences? I wish for everyone a life of travel. It opens your soul. It, it, it kills your ignorance. Being comfortable is a curse. They somehow convinced us that we work so that we can have leisure um, when the leisure should be the work. Like doing the work is what makes us who we are. It makes us feel good. It is it defines us, you know, like it is the best part of your day. It, it releases the serotonin, the dopamine from doing tasks and, and, and making sure that you are accomplishing I was in Peru and uh, the Sacred Valley, which is one of the few places that if the bombs ever go off or anything happens, for some reason, the way the trade winds work, you'll be safe in there. And it's beautiful. Just endless miles heading up into the mountains, which you come to a town up there called uh, Olean Taitambo. And mm. then from there, you catch a train and that and it's uh, just rugged mountain scenery. And, you, and that's where you catch a train to Machu Picchu. But anyway, this isn't even Machu Picchu. This is just here. And I just remember being up there uh, working with the indigenous and uh, you can eat guinea pig if you want. It's an interesting thing. I teach you how to snap the neck and I'm an animal lover. I cry every time I do it, but I know how to do it. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm sitting up in this field and we just happen to have that lucky timing, right? Like you can produce your ass off on anything and you're still going to miss the details because you're not from there. Well, we just happen to be there for that short window where all the potato fields bloom, these beautiful purple flowers. And we're talking a carpet from around um, like 14, 15,000 feet 
all the way down, rolling hills and jagged all the way down into the through the valley. It was I just remember sitting there and being it's that moment where you wish you could uh, get like the Star Trek um, beam me up beam and just beam everyone you loved and just go, just look at this. You just have to look at this because pictures don't do it. Just nothing does it justice. And I remember just like reaching out into the universe and getting like so. You know, when something feels right, you get like unbelievably emotional, like so powerful, it starts to like r- roll through you and like waves, almost like a, psil- a psilocybin adventure. Well, anyway, so I was sitting there and I was must have been putting out crazy energy because all of a sudden I heard rear, rear, rear. And I couldn't tell you how many of the scrawniest, skinniest, flea hopping um, mountain cats came around and they just all cuddled up on me. And I was like this little Buddha up on top of the hill looking out over this purple blanket covering the world covered with like love of these animals it was uh you know heaven on earth stuff um once once in a lifetime bucket list you didn't know you 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 wanted um incredible uh so yeah that's one of the most just beautiful in terms of travel and um you know you just happen to you just happen to you, you hit the moment. You just you hit a moment that you're not going to be able to forget. And that that was one of the most powerful. There, there's a few. There's a few. But the amazing thing about squatching is uh, everyone of squatching, right? Like it sticks with you. And there's there's nothing you can do about it. Um, okay, so one time we're hanging with the Bobs, which I got to give a shout out to the Bobs. Thanks for introducing me to Sam Kitchen, man. I really thought we were gonna. It was a country talk show, but it's not at all. So kind of <laughs> bummed, but but thank you. Um, but we were up in, uh, where were we? We were in Washington state and we were supposed to go see the boobs. Right. And my buddy and I were driving out my buddies. He's uh, he's a little guy. So he just, he looks younger than he is. You know, he looks like he could be a kid from, especially from different angles and stuff. Uh, and, and anyway, so we're, we're driving out and we, of course we lose contact because, you know, no cell reception out there and Bobes isn't picking up his phone because he's partying with a rock star. So now we're lost like an hour and a half away from where we're staying and we're pissed. So we're like, what the fuck? So we, uh, we start driving up this road and just driving into random lots. And, and they've basically been trimming it out to show people where they could build their homes eventually. And we just went all the way to the top and we now, oh, sorry, let me back up quick. Before we went though, whenever I go out, I set my intention. You know, I let them know we're coming. I, I look at a map of the area. I begin meditating on it before sleep, you know, after sleep, whenever I can think about it during the day, I'm like, I'm broadcasting to that area. And my buddy had gotten into it too, or at least he told me he did. So we did that all the way there. We got, and when we pulled in, we pulled it to the top. And here's, here's an amazing thing. This spot was the only way I can sum up how beautiful the view was all the way down, once again, down the mountains to um, to the waterway with Canada on the other side, boats, whales, you know, just birds, offspring. It was, it was the place you take the love of your life and you propose to them and perfect. <laughs> so, so me and my thing, that buddy are there, you know, of course, because we're lost. We're supposed to be partying with Bobo and instead we're, we're in some spot where we should be proposing to each other. Um, so we just like, wow, this view is crazy. So we get out and he runs right up and starts pissing like right in front of the view. I'm like, douchebag. So I start walking down the road. And as I'm walking, I just made a couple of whoops and, you know, no big deal. I'm not thinking anything. I'm, it's the only way to describe it is very innocent. We're very innocent. We're very fun. And no lie. As I'm walking down this little road, something in, uh, in the bushes to my left begins to stand just to rise okay and it's verdant as all hell like multiple layers from briars to trees bushes very thick um and i see him start to move but i don't see anything i just see him start to move i'm like holy shit and i was just like holy shit holy shit and then something happened that has happened very rarely in my life and the only way i can describe it is it's primal fear it's where you are no longer in control of your body because your body's like you're not going to be able to move fast enough just give me the controls for like 10 seconds before I could even understand what's happening. The thing took so long to stand up that it wasn't normal. It it was not normal. I don't, whatever was in there was gigantic, but I couldn't see it. I just, but everything was moving. All of a sudden it was like, I remembered that I was in my own body and I had squatted all the way to the ground, my fucking anus puckering. I was ready to shit myself and sprint faster than Usain Bolt, you know, on speed humpy. Like I was, I was close to blowing my knees out, but getting out of there. 
And, um, and then all of a sudden, right, like at the height of my just froze, you know, fight, flight, or freeze, froze, it starts to walk away. And here's the interesting thing. It was the loudest, quietest sound I've ever heard. If I wasn't in tune, if my adrenaline wasn't boom, 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 like a, you know, like a Metallica concert in there, I wouldn't have, uh, I wouldn't have heard it because the birds got louder. Everything got louder when it went to walk away. It's a detail of this. I, I really like that you like details because I, you know, the, I don't remember much, but what I remember, I remember the details and, and, uh, and boom, boom, boom. The only thing that it, that, that I've heard that sounded like it was in Jurassic Park, the T-Rex, you remember that first movie that blew all our minds and, you, and then when the T-Rex shows up and then you, you feel the tremors. Oh yeah. That, that was the sound man. that was the sound and it, but it was, but like I said, it was quiet. The impact, the impact carried fucking weight, like the weight of something that was out of my league. You're like every league that you could ever make a leap for. And, and then as it started walking away, the, I, I got control of my body again and I shot straight up. <laughs> just like shaking and and everything as it's continuing to walk away bushes shaking um and all of a sudden i realized oh shit my buddy so he comes running down to me he's pissed himself he's pulling up and you can see it and he has owl eyes he has you motherfucker you should have told me they were real this is not cool is this cool holy crap did you hear that am i crazy are you crazy what are we doing are we safe uh, am i safe like you, you know, pure joy, terror, confusion, squatch moment. <laughs> it's it's squatch moment. So we go back to where the beautiful view is, and we've got hands on shoulders because by the time we get there, we're laughing, we are like excited, we're like nobody's gonna fucking believe us. Like this is amazing. I can't believe I've never heard them walk away or anything like that. So weird, and. And so we have hands on shoulders and we're literally like bouncing up and down. And on the other side, another one starts to stand up and we just freeze hands on shoulders like an eighth grade dance, staring at each other with big eyes, not sure what the fucking deal. And we're just like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And, and it gets up. Uh, the only thing I tell you about this one, not as big as the other one. Big, but not like. That, if that one came first, it would have been scary. But since it came second, it, it wasn't as big, and it walked away. And then we actually had the balls to, like, run in the woods quick. So it walked, and we followed in this, like, trail, and we looked. And I, I, wish, I, had, I wish I had a picture of it. It was – there were so many places something could hide, right? We would have literally had to release dogs. And, but we looked, and there was nothing. And then strangely, as we walked back, there was the – largest pile of shit corn just corn shit something shit out more corn than you know it's like a cow shit out a bunch of corn um <laughs> and and you know in our dumb masses we didn't really think anything ever we we're like did we miss that when we came through was that there and so that was one of those because we were so frightened and excited we just kind of ran into you know what i mean we were there's so many things that happen to you in those moments that like you might miss some things, I guess. And so uh, what we think happened after all these years is, you know, with some great apes, if they're courting like mountain gorillas, you'll have a male sit in one spot and you'll have a female sit and they kind of pretend like they ignore each other. And then slowly over time, they get closer and closer until, you know, they get in out. Um, and what we'd like to believe is that if they are some type of ape or hominid, um, and we happen to have stumbled upon the most beautiful spot in Washington state, um, then it makes sense that they were sitting up there in love or falling in love or just enjoying a view together. And that's what we want to believe. And until we could ever prove or disprove that, um, that's my story. Uh, and it's, it's real. And I, and I've had multiple stories with, with this particular person. And the reason I mentioned that he looks younger than his age is, uh, as you know, you know, there's a lot of, stories where they are drawn to the elderly and children um and that is actually one of the things that makes me want to lean more toward them being flesh and bone than anything else because it's very predatorial you know in the in the in the, in the natural world we'll call it no just in the real world predators hunt the elderly and the young because you want to minimize risk 
because you fuck up, you get hurt, you're dead. So it makes sense to me, you know. I, I was with you the whole time that that last little part about hunting the elderly and the young. Uh, I'm I'm trying to figure out exactly what you're saying there because I think they're drawn to them. My theory is they have a natural instinct to at least get close, to at least like go, I could take them, you know, I could. I could eat them, <laughs> but oh, okay. I, I don't have to, you know, and they're more curious. And I also think they're more curious, too, because uh, what other ways are they reading us? You know, we're so visually dominant, like they can smell us. Right. They can see us, but maybe they can feel our vibrations as well. And 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 maybe they can see in kind of details we can't. So what do they see in him? Like maybe it's just the fact that he does. He, that he looks a little different. You know, he uh, and they're curious. It, like curiosity isn't that like the one universal thing all intelligent minds share is is a curiosity so if something's different and unique um maybe that's the reason but I, I think it's just as simple as you've got a smaller target remote area of the woods very easy prey let's check it out sure they're obviously drawn to the young and the old but it seems to me that their response to the young and the old is the opposite of what a normal predator's reaction would be. Whereas, whereas most, most large predators would go after the young and the old for food, the Sasquatch are drawn, are drawn to the young and the old, but they respond very differently. They just, you know, it's more of a, it's more of a, an observation and, and a curiosity. Um, so that's, well, that's in, that's in some of them. How do we know? You know, I mean, there's a lot of disappearances. I, I would like to believe that they're all friendly and it's mostly friendly, but there's a, there's a, we have jerks too, you know, I'm sure oh, there's yeah. some jerks. <laughs> That's all. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff we haven't heard about, you know, and, and not all Sasquatch experiences are pleasant. Yeah, that's absolutely mm -hmm. the case. Um, there, there, there are a couple things about what you're saying that I really like. Um, actually, I, I like the whole thing, but I mean, just a couple of things <laughs> to, to extract from that. Uh, sure. like there was this thing about the view that you're talking about and, you know, it, it actually reminded me of something I saw recently about a, a photojournalist and his work in Australia. There were these two penguins who would gather at the, the, the bank of a river uh, they were each widowed. There was a widow and a widower penguin. They had each lost their life partner. And so like these two penguins would get together on this bank of the, the river overlooking the city across the river and all the beautiful lights. And they would just stand there and take in the view and they would comfort each other. Like they would hold hands and put their heads on each other's shoulders and stuff. So, I mean, you know, I, and, and a Sasquatch obviously is much more aware, we would think, than, than a penguin. Of, of course, they would get together in a beautiful spot and fall in love and, you know, do natural things. So, I mean, yeah, that, that totally makes sense. They would come together in this, like you said, the most beautiful spot in Washington State and, yep. fall, and fall in love. That makes total sense. You want, you want to know what I think that moment is? I, with the two penguins, because I read about that, too. And, uh, you know, just looking at it from the heart, it's 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 wonderful. It's a it's a full Disney movie in one photo. It's it's really um, beautiful. But what I see there is I see Mother Nature winking at us. You know, we, we, it's just a photo and then it's gone. It's going to go back into the collective subconscious and just vanish. But that's nature saying, hey, see these two? They're a little more evolved than the regular penguin. They're actually enjoying beauty. And maybe there's others like that. And then when you start to breed those or encourage the breeding of those, what comes next with the next generation? You see, people have done studies with animals. They took foxes, wild foxes over in Russia. And do you know how many generations it took? to They bred in two different directions. One, to make them essentially the next greatest house pet, uh, docile, sweet, loving. And the other direction, which is a super crazy predator. Do you know how many times they had to breed them? Well, I'm aware of this, and I'm aware that over time, the fox's ears became more floppy like a dog's ears. And uh, it, it, with successive generations, and they became you know, more and more domesticated. But no, I do not know the answer to your question. Yeah, it took between four to five generations. And they had 
docile the ear everything changed and then the other ones just when they would enter that room turn the lights on and come in uh they would attack the cages like literally shattering teeth and whatnot in response to stimuli uh that kind of thing i mean that's the secret of the world if you if we can just find this the i don't want to say the smartest but the ones that seem to be evolving the most and help them get together with the other ones uh I think this place goes back to Eden in four or five generations. Hmm. That's an interesting theory. I'm I, dropping that on the table. How's that for a big crazy? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love a bit crazy. I just need to know a little bit more about your, your thinking there, like how you're getting there. Like, I, I need to know a little bit more about that. Well, there's, there's not much to it. I'm just saying selective breeding. <laughs> selective breeding can get you uh, further along, you know, faster. Right. You can expedite the process. That's all. Right. Okay. All right. Well, shit. I mean, you know, whether it's crazy or not, I like it. And I like, you know, going down those avenues. I, I mean, I think that ties in with what you're saying about the, the penguins and, you know, like Mother Nature giving us a little wink, you know, just observing a change in consciousness or increased awareness. I mean, and, and then, you know, that in itself instigates for the further increasing awareness and consciousness. Sure. But you said that, you know, it, it just disappears into the collective consciousness or whatever. I, I will add the exception that while, while we may not consciously recall something like that, it does add to the overall experience i don't think it's truly lost i think things like that stay oh with sure us. Yeah, sure yeah. yeah 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 and and they resonate more with with some of us than others oh yeah of course absolutely there there was something you said about your experience in washington that i i really want to narrow narrow in on um you mentioned that during this experience where this individual stood up you yourself yeah. squatted down was i understanding that correctly yeah as it uh when as it was first standing there was no big deal i was just like oh there's an animal in there whoa you know what is it like a moose or something you know it's, it seems big and then once it hit a certain level of rising which went beyond anything i sh i thought should have been rising that high i began to squat down in absolute terror yeah uh, yeah primal fear primal fear i felt my body supercharged like i I would have been the fastest person on earth if, if I took off running, no doubt, like no doubt, put it all on the line. Um, but I, but I also couldn't move. I was frozen. I was frozen. Um, so powerful. I, and honestly, I wish that moment to, to any squatcher, but even that's a squatcher to like other people. Cause like we were talking about before, it's, it's a, you face death, you face death in that moment. You, I was next to something that I would have never stood a chance to it, it, it's. And I, even though I did not, completely die i felt like i just survived mm -hmm. <laughs> that's that's the only way i mean and it's 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 been put into my physical body like i have a response like i did fishing for a while and now anytime i go near a fishing boat on the dock i physically feel my body like move the opposite direction because i got so sick doing it like some people listen fishermen are the most badass people on earth that's that's a fact done <laughs> uh so i can't even go near the boat so the physical once you put something into you um uh, you can't shake that you know or you can but it's going to take a lot and maybe you don't maybe some of it is good to keep yeah and and that touches on thoughts you've expressed about conquering fear and things like that before we we get into that I want to point out, the reason I asked is because I am familiar of a number of Sasquatch encounters in which the experiencer involuntarily sat down or sat down due to fear or something like that. It just sounded like it was, it was related to other things I've heard about. Like, like oh, awesome. I went on this little trip to Southern Oregon recently with a, a guy who had an experience up there last summer, he took his, nice. yeah, he took his RV up to this remote spot in Oregon during the height of the pandemic last summer. And he was up there in this very remote area for almost six months. And he had a number of experiences. One, yeah. During, during one of these experiences, he was on this rock outcropping and he heard several individuals coming up the mountainside toward him. And then just as this was happening, 
uh, there was another large individual in the tree line behind him who started stomping his feet, stomping on these big pieces of wood, like thick branches and logs and stuff like that. And he, he could just hear the splintering of these wow. yeah, big pieces of wood underneath this big guy's feet. So at that point, he involuntarily sat down. And um, I, I am aware of, we were actually camping with someone else who had an experience in which she didn't sit down, but like she turned around and was compelled to leave the area seemingly involuntarily. So it seemed like what you were saying might be kind of related to that whole thing. And, but, but from what you're saying, it sounds like it's very much like a primal fear response. Is that the way you, you think of it? Yeah, if you can actually hear it or see it or whatever, then that's just you reacting to it. Um, I also think they're capable of emitting infrasound and using it to uh, in, like low frequency sound to instill even more fear and even to disorientate and stun prey, just like a whale would do or, you know, like a tiger's roar or anything. Um, so I don't know, you know what you're dealing with in that particular moment or what I was dealing with, if it blasted me or not, I personally think it was just that you, you just instinctively know that you're in danger or mm -hmm. you could be. Yeah. And, and, and we are just, as we discussed before, we sit very close to the fire. We don't really know real danger. We see it in the news, but most of the time it doesn't happen anywhere near us. And anyway, the threat of that is so powerful. It changes you forever you know near death near death experience it's 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 amazing but then you also realize like this thing that 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 scared me so bad that i've never been scared like that again in my life except for a couple other experiences like that uh it just walked away it walked away mm -hmm. you know they these th <laughs> we're not that important we're so ego driven you know that's part of the, the narrative so we're so inwardly focused but in the wrong way that um the why would any intelligent being have any real interests <laughs> I, I don't know how else to say it you know we're just not ready yet we're we're teenagers and we're in our infancy and and i don't think i think that's by design i, I think we would advance much faster if we uh if we put the people with the biggest hearts in in front, you know, and the greatest minds, and, and we really did it. But anyway, that's that's all the kumbaya stuff. Well, I, I like the kumbaya stuff, and I agree oh, with I you. I agree with you on that last part, but to play devil's advocate about that first part, now, might that, might that perception, that perspective on it about us not being that important, might that in itself just be another product of human ego? Of course, of course. Uh, my my new motto is everything you've been taught is a lie mm -hmm. and to reap and and at some point as an adult you need to rebuild everything or at least go check back on everything and and have new experiences and that i think that's a rite of passage that if you haven't done by the say like 40 like the people have midlife crises i think that's what's missing from there is a is a mature like people always say hey i wish i could go back to high school the way i am well what if you took the knowledge you have now and you reinvented yourself by helping with all the stuff that you're carrying you shouldn't, mm -hmm. you know? Right. Um, yeah. And then, and then bizarrely, you can get there through squatching. Yes. So how, how would one get there through squatching? Confidence is the most beautiful and sexy thing, right? People who actually acquire coolness are because they've done something over and over and over and they found a place of peace with it. So in my opinion, going into the woods and squatching, the main thing that you're going out there to do is you, you got to say, I'm going out there to move beyond my fears. I'm going to do this until I'm actually comfortable walking in the woods at night alone. And once you get to a point where you realize you actually are, there's no fear anymore. There's nothing. You don't need any, you don't need drugs. You don't need cigarettes. You don't need friends around. You don't need anything. You've been able to walk. That person is a new, new version of you. And the farther you go, the more you create that new you. And it, it's, it, it's that simple, you know, it's, it's really that simple. And then you're going to start to get and see and experience things that most people aren't going to believe you about. So it's going to put you on your own kind of little planet where then you're going to have to find uh, weirdos like us that are all into it to talk about it because it's relatable because we explore as well. And anyway, and I might've rambled off there, but, uh, that's all right. Yeah. 
We can get lost in the weeds, no problem. I mean, you're right. People like us can kind of act as facilitators or guides to people who are undertaking this journey. I think that's kind of why we're in the position we are, the the respective positions we are right now, yeah. is to kind of, you know, usher other people into this thing that we've become aware of. Yeah, yeah, and and that's it's just that's just it. Like in the pursuit of a genuine experience you will find a better version of you mm-hmm. and 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 that's just cool man the, the more people get out in the nature the better the world will become um, it's it's phenomenal it just you know it speaks in subtleties and it doesn't move as fast but you just have to the beauty is we can get almost anywhere quickly mm-hmm. so you just have to you have to you have to find an inside source and then you can be there when the potato fields bloom in the sacred valley of peru yeah yeah I hope we, man, I hope we, oh, I had another story. Um, you had talked about like things that were really unique experiences and, and a unique look at nature. Yeah. Um, we were, we did the Finding Bigfoot episode where they went up the Amazon, right? And, and that was just spectacular. Like going and flying into Manaus. First of all, I've, I live in Florida. I, you know, I've been to Cancun. I, it's hot. No, no. Manaus is like under another atmosphere and then another atmosphere. Like you expect to look up and see four suns, you know, it's unbelievable. And we drove and we went up the Rio Negro um, to this just, I, I, it's, it's, it's hard to explain. It wasn't as lush as I thought. I thought there'd be so many more animals and whatnot, but everything there was supersized and would knock you down. You know, like bullet ants, like just crazy stuff. Yeah, the, the woman who was working on it that I was actually dating at the time and our guide was really into her and had like a lot of machismo, you know, and, and we're friends, we're all friends and stuff, but he was just, he couldn't back down. You know what I mean? I just thought it was great. I was like, this is fantastic. He's, he's awesome. I wish I had that confidence, but this machismo being back and forth and kind of like one up in each other. Um, it finally led to the point where he says to me, he goes, well, you're a man, right, Ryan? I go, well, you know, oh, yeah, I'm a man. I got big muscles. He goes, well, why don't you come in and come fishing with me at night in the Rio Negro? And I was like, fishing? I was like, fine, I'll go fishing. He's like, no, spear fishing in the water. And I was like, oh, my God. And I just remember the inside of me just, once again, freezing. I didn't freeze on the outside, but I froze on the inside. And I was so scared. I was like, there's no, in my head, I'm like, there is no way. And before I can even kind of even freak myself more, he's like, yeah, there's anaconda in there. You've got crocodile. you got, I mean, the black cayman. you got all these things. And I'm just like, oh, my God. And she's standing right there. And then, when you know, when you're young and dumb and full of, you just like, all right, let's do it. And I played it totally cool. There is a picture. I have to find this picture someday and show you. Uh, we go to get in the water. And my back, I, I think my back is still out of alignment from from just, the it's tea-colored water, right? So the first step in, you step in the sand, and it gets kind of deep a little quick in certain spots. And there's like groves of trees and bushes. And you just you look at it, you're like, oh, there's a giant snake. There has to be. It's just in there. And, and this picture of me, my back is so tight. It's another moment where it's the most scared. I just assumed after watching all these horror movies and, and just being a fear person, a person addicted to fear myself, that I was just going to stick my head in the water and Jaws was going to jump out and bite me. Um, the beauty of this is I get in that water and I start swimming around. He's making fun of me. Go a little deeper. Go a little deeper. Let's go. Let's go. I've already caught four fish. So I get down there and I'm swimming among the trees. And this is something I just did not know in all my years. No one ever taught me this. Uh, And I'm a little bummed about it because what all the fish had done, um, they all had their own spots where they would make beds in the sand and they would just and just sit down. I actually watched a fish take like a big breath, like it like it was the end of the day. And he had a real busy day swimming around the bush. And he sighed and literally let himself slide and wedged himself between two branches, just float there. What I all of a sudden realized I was looking at is what fish actually do at night. And they all build a little bit of homes and they all live near each other. And there's predator fish, you know, there's beta fish, there's everything. And nobody's attacking anyone. And when I got out of the water, you know, he said to me, he's like, did you learn anything? And I said, I said, yeah, I, I'm I, I'm done. If you'd like data, you can data because I can't do this anymore. But also, it is amazing under there at night. It, and he goes, it's a ceasefire. He's like, unless unless it's hunting time, there are certain times where yes, there, there is hunting, but they, the fish know there's a ceasefire. And so, I don't know. There's ceasefires in the woods. There's like all these things that, 
as just someone with the education that I have, I wasn't, I, I'm not aware of. So I hope we figure out what those things are going on in the woods and how we can kind of tap into that, those, those oddities to just be once again, more aware so that hopefully we can have a genuine experience again. I don't know. What, what do you want to do, man? Like for me, I want to, I would love to be a bridge or a gap between cultures. Um, Cause I think you're right. I, I think the time's coming. I think the great divide is getting smaller. Something, something big's happening going to happen. And, I would just love to believe that them coming forward and it kind of, it, it would be a part of it. With that last statement, you kind of nailed exactly what I'm trying to do. As a matter of fact, Type 471, the name of my show, uh, in the Arns Thompson Folkloric Classification Index, Type 471 Whoa. means bridge to the other world. Nice. Yeah. You're talking about. Nice. <laughs> you're, you're just, you got to. Uh... You, you nailed the whole point of this show, uh, you know, exactly what I'm trying to do, what you're trying to do. Yeah. I mean, you, you kind of, you just summed it up right there. Yeah. Forming... Oh man. Well, we're, we're, we're definitely brothers, definitely brothers. That's a great moment, a mm. great moment of realization. Thank you very much for making me a part of this. Yeah. And thank you for saying that, you know, just kind of bringing it all together. And and speaking of nature and everything we're talking about, you you have expressed some thoughts about Mount Shasta, and and we we kind of mentioned that in the very beginning. I want to get into that now. Uh, what are your views on Mount Shasta and very special mountains such as Mount Shasta? Uh, well, they affect different people differently. That's what I find fascinating the most is that someone can show up and be in the same place roughly the same time and have no experience which could just be once again observation and being distracted but um so what makes people more in tune and what makes some places more of a tuning fork for activity and you just you got to look at kind of the area you know whenever you have any type of volcanic activity fault lines um any any big movements of land earth that uh, it creates vibrations and frequencies and things that have very interesting effects on people. One could go as far as to say it could create spontaneous hallucinations in some uh, to uh, physical manifestations where you actually like like I heard the thing walk away. Like, did I manifest that myself because I happened to be in a in a in a place of high strangeness? Because of the confluence of the river, you know, when the river is met, it creates this energy. I don't know. But that place has something, has that power to it. Um, and, you know, some people think there's Lemuria and like, you know, big cities and whatnots underneath it. I don't know. I'm more inclined to think it's like a big dump. Uh, they just dumped a bunch of shit there. It's either the stump of some great something from back in the day that we or some type of ancient man destroyed. Oh, yeah, it's a big it's a big pile of breaking down crap. You mentioned the crap that's dumped there. I have a similar feeling, actually. Like, there's there's, there's nothing living there right now, and I certainly could be wrong about that in terms of... Of course, yeah. You yeah. know, Lemurians or what have you, but I feel like yeah. there's there's some sort of ancient deposit there, and uh, or there, there very well could be. And, like, I've, I've felt compelled to investigate certain areas of the mountain, like certain very specific locations, and it just so mm -hmm. happens that... Over this summer, the fire that occurred here hit those exact areas where I was thinking needed to be explored in, Ooh, in, in relation to this. Yeah. 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 And, and some of those areas are very inaccessible. And then the fire hit and then they're, they're all cleared out. So I was thinking like, actually, this fire may have made certain areas more accessible, you know, for, for the purpose of, you know, trying to find some things in connection to <laughs> this this stuff that was dumped yeah. there as far as views go of the mountain like i i tried to mm. i tried to express on cliff and bobo's show my view of the mountain and i i kind of muddled it up a little bit by comparing <laughs> by comparing it to the great pyramid in giza so if you'll indulge me for a moment i just want to lay out my thoughts in that regard you know comparing it to the great pyramid can i do that for a minute because it absolutely could be a pyramid in there absolutely sure yeah, well, the way I see it, like, I, I'm speaking from a very unorthodox perspective. Orthodox Egyptology does not embrace this perspective, but I feel very strongly that the Great Pyramid of Giza was built in 10,500 BC. It was built at a time when the Nile River was much closer to the Giza necropolis, and the waters from the Nile were diverted underneath the Great Pyramid. 
And what this would do, this would cause percussion waves. As the waves of the water hit the bottom of the Great Pyramid, it would hit the stone, quartz-rich uh, granite and limestone, causing the pyramid to vibrate. And there are internal chambers in which an initiate would go into the pyramid uh, and and meditate there and have a very heightened spiritual experience, uh, all while the 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 pyramid itself is vibrating due to the water being uh, hitting the the pyramid from underneath. So this is very much like what happens with a volcano. There is deep volcanic activity. There's a lot of movement going on under there. A, a, a volcano is made of minerals. It, you know, quartz is one of the most common elements on Earth. So there's a ton of quartz. There's a ton of everything. And so, so this deep volcanic activity is hitting these minerals, causing vibrations. And I think that is very much a factor in the kinds of experiences people have at Mount Shasta and such areas. So th that's, that's my feeling uh, about mount shasta oh i love that that's great so that so it's the resonation through the rock is essentially blasting out across you know all around it and some people are are getting hit hard for different reasons and whatnot and, and ooh, i i like it man because honestly there could be something buried underneath there it could be a spaceship it could be a pyramid it could have actually been a pyramid it could just be a giant pile melting down just a volcano i don't know I here, here's the here's the goal, you know, somehow through our wonderful adventures, we make enough to do a legit expedition, you know, like legit with real equipment, real things that we can measure that and stuff. And I hope that comes uh, true someday. If you get there first, uh, listen, I'll, I'll carry backpacks. I'll be the pack mule. You know, I love a good hike through the mountains, but we should do it. We should do it. That's that's your mountain. That's my Ireland. Oh man, but I but I love it, and it's it's a great theory to go out and see if we can uh, prove it or not. You know, great because I have some thoughts about that, about certain experiments that could be done, and I'm down for it. So you're you're coming along. Sign me up. All right, cool. We're in the last few minutes of the show. And so I want to know about what you're working on these days. I know that you've been working on a project called the Mookie Experiments. Uh, what's going on yeah. with that? I teamed up with uh, downtown Stacy Brown, Stacy Brown Jr. from Florida, my uh, my boy James Brose from Florida, and a whole just whole crew of good dudes. And we're pushing the envelope. You know, we're listen. I I died on national TV right at the height of my career when it, when I should have taken off and launched and been one of the next faces for a Bigfoot. Um, I lost it, and that 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 broke me down. Took me to new places of fear and whatnot. And then, but then it freed me in a way. And I'm an innovator by trade. Like I want to I want to hang out with people like you. People that they're like, hey, what about this angle? And I'm like, dude, let's go. What support do you need? And this team allows me to do that. So we're a team outcasts. Uh, people all in the fringe that could very easily be on TV, be in movies, be in whatnot. And we're going to push the envelope. We're going to do all the experiments that, uh, that other people don't want to touch because there is a narrative or a story that makes them too scary to this, to that. And unless it's just flat out dangerous, which we will do, uh, which well, I guess I say that, but we still, you know, we trekked swamps. We, we caught a live pig um, and put our homemade like tracking collar on it, released it. You know, the next films were going to be like you know, putting cameras in gator dens and trying to like see if Squatch is like sleeping. I'm like, we, we, we want to be the, a flavor in the paranormal realm that you've never tasted before. And whether you like it or not, you will be entertained because we're taking it's action horror doc and it's, you know, that beautiful doc that we all love for this because it's the investigative part. But we're going to put it together in a way because I have all this experience, you know, producing TV and stuff. So. Um, it's going to be really unique and I just want to share it with the world and I, and I want to be a part of something where I can be an innovator and, um, uncensored mostly, you know, you know, we always have to censor some things a little bit, but, uh, but mostly uncensored, which in this day and age where nobody knows who's telling the truth and who isn't, uh, we're giving you the raw truth and we're like, you know, a beacon. And I think that's important um, to, you know, be a part of something like that. And plus, we need a brotherhood, man. You know, I, I'm a dad, father, three, and I love my family. It's the greatest thing ever. But 
going out with them and pushing myself against my own fears and coming back, like I come back just more, a better husband, a better, a better dad, you know, a better, a better dog parent, everything. So it's important. I hope everybody has a group they can get together with and sharpen themselves, you know, use each other to just, just become better. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of hone yourselves based on, you know, from me, one another's strengths and, 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 yep. and getting out there and doing scary shit. Nothing too dangerous mm-hmm. though. Just going into gator dens and catching wild <laughs> pigs and all that. <laughs> oh, dude, we're doing him to pan. We're doing also weird, like from spells to, to action adventure stuff. And I don't know, man, it, it's fun. It's really fun. What is it at the end of the day? We're, we're all a bunch of Peter Pans and we're all trying to figure out, okay, I get it. You got to come back and do this, but can you have both worlds? And yes, you can. That's all I can say. Yes, you can. If you want anything bad enough, you will have it. You will manifest it. So kudos to you for manifesting it. And uh, kudos to anyone else that, that does, especially in the paranormal realm. Yeah. And kudos to you. And there is so much. There's like a shit ton more that we need to talk about. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we're we're going to have to do like, you know, at least a part two. And so, yeah. so yeah, come back soon. We're at the end of the show right now. So we're going to wrap it up for today. I can't wait to talk to you again. Um, so you mentioned the Mookie experiments that you're working on. Is there anything else that you want to bring our attention to? Like how to get in touch with you or, or, you know, anything you want us to know about online, well, whatever, what do you want us to know? about we're kind of laying low you know we're on facebook instagram twitter like all that stuff outcast paranormal but we let's just let's just say once the film launches um then you'll just see what we're about and what our flavor is and then we can do like a huge a huge push but until then um no we're just gonna keep our head down and keep working hard and, and trying to create something that will truly inspire people to get out there and be weird Every time you mention the flavor, I keep thinking <laughs> I keep thinking of street tacos. So you're like the street tacos of, of... Hey, that's awesome. I'm st- I'm borrowing that from you. Good. I'm, I'm borrowing that from you. We're the street tacos of the paranormal. I, I was I was hoping you would use that. I, I wanted to give it to you. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm writing it down. It's real. It's happening. Shit. All right. Cool. Well, RPG. It's been a great conversation. We we need to have more great conversations. Uh, thank you so much for being on Type 471 today. Thank you, sir. Like I said, it's an absolute honor, and thank you for inspiring people to get out there and search the world for wonder. Yeah, likewise. Thank you for, for inspiring people similarly. All right, man. Well, shit, I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, peace, love, and applesauce. And hey, James Bobo Faith. Thank you for this opportunity. This guy is really cool, and I hope we actually all get to go adventure together at some point. Oh, I think it's going to happen in the very near future. I, I feel it coming on. A shout-out to the Bobes. All right, man. To the Bobes. All right, peace and love, man. Take it easy, and thanks. Cheers. You too. Late. Look for Type 471 Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to connect with me on social media, you can find me pretty much anywhere. Just look for Type 471 podcast and if you want to share your paranormal or extraordinary experiences with me email me at type 471 podcast at gmail.com and check out the type 471 podcast youtube channel i'm sam kitchen thanks for listening to type 471